0: Welcome to Zen One Podcast, a place where we can feel a little bit more connected with one another. Mary?
1: You got me on my cell phone. Perfect. That's as good as
0: <laughs> That's awesome. How are you?
1: Oh, well, I'd be better if my computer hadn't just crashed. <laughs> well, Not fun.
0: That's okay. Hopefully, it can come back to life pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. So, last time was, was Julie's time to have issues, and now it's my turn.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that we got you at least on the phone, because we got a full house. Uh, we have close to, like, what, 24 people live? It's ah, going to be amazing. Good. Yeah. So, if somebody doesn't know Mary, Mary's awesome. She's been on all of our live events in Chicago at Westgate Dental Care when we did uh, live inventory workshops and you talked about infection control, compliance, and all these things. As soon as this whole thing started, you were the first person I thought about to reach out and have a webinar on what's going on in the world. And I'm checking that was March 20th. So that was a month ago. Like when we jumped in and we did a live event with you and it was amazing. A lot of questions came up, a lot of what do we do with this and what do we do with that? So now a lot of people asked if we can bring you back. That's number one. There are a lot of questions from our offices and we literally put this in the title. One, somebody asked guidelines on how we're going to protect our patients, our staff and ourselves. So that's a big thing that's on everybody's mind I also have questions about products. Uh, I know that Dr. Dr. Wilson just wrote a question about gowns and reusable stuff. And I sent you the advice that people are sending to me saying, should we buy it or not? And I want your opinion on those too. So as you can tell, I'm glad we scheduled three hours for today because we got (laughs) a lot to cover. So (laughs) let's get started. All right. So I guess first, like, how do you feel like it's been a month since last time we talked and obviously it's a pretty big I don't want to use the profanity but pretty big storm that's that hit us <laughs> yeah, pretty I badly thought, so I thought, uh...
1: A, a storm that starts with an S and ends with a T. It's been yeah. it's been ugly um, for everyone, um, and, and I feel for all the practices out there that are just stressed about not just about themselves and their financial well being, but for their patients' well being as well. And it's just obviously something completely unprecedented. We've never experienced anything like this before. And we're not done with this yet. Um, I do have some sort of good news and that is I've heard from reliable sources that very soon we are going to have some new guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. What we have right now from CDC is interim guidance for treating emergency patients. And we don't really know when we've been asking. That's why you get all the product questions and all that, because we don't really know what is going to be required in terms of personal protective equipment. We don't know what OSHA is going to say, but I think once the CDC guidelines get finalized, then probably we'll be hearing something from OSHA as well. So I'm very hopeful that this is going to happen within the next week, um, according to my sources that I cannot divulge, um, but hopefully we'll we'll know something more definite.
0: That's amazing. Okay. So what do you think that would look like? Like maybe we can start (laughs) even what the interim guidelines are, and then we can talk about what potentially would look like.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea because my sources are telling me that it may look very much like the interim guidelines. So, what the interim guidelines right now say in terms of personal protective equipment, that you need to wear an N95 face mask. And because of emergency use authorizations from the Food and Drug Administration and the CDC, if you don't have those to treat emergency patients, you should send your patient to a provider that has N95 masks. Well, in many cases that's not possible because almost nobody in dentistry has N95 masks. So then the next two um, criteria would be that we would wear a mask called a KN95. And I think we talked about those last time because you, Tiger, you had asked me about those. Mm -hmm. They are not FDA cleared, Um, they are, Manufactured in China according to Chinese standards, but they're de- um, determined to be an equivalent to an N95. So that would be what you could wear if you didn't have any N95 masks. Mm-hmm. And then the last resort would be if you absolutely had to treat this emergency pa- emergency patient, and you couldn't get N95 or K95s, so you could wear a level three. ASTM level three mask with a face shield, but that only provides moderate protection. It doesn't provide a high level of protection. And the difference is that the surgical masks or the procedure masks we wear, the level one, two, or three, provide pretty good barrier protection, splatter protection, but what they don't provide is a seal, That's the beauty of the N95 masks is that they provide a seal around your face and they Mm -hmm. um, are size specific and they actually need to be fit tested in order to um, make sure that you have adequate protection. So we think that the N95 is probably going to be what we're required to wear for all Mm -hmm. of our patients. Um, We're going to have to deal with supply issues. And the other part of the guidance, besides the N95s and face shields, says that we should change our gown after every patient. Now, everybody should keep in mind that OSHA has had a requirement that we wear gowns over street clothes or scrubs, since the early 90s. It's in the bloodborne pathogen standard, but many people have chosen to ignore that and just wear short sleeve scrubs. Not a good idea in any event because your clothing is contaminated and it's especially not a good idea to leave the office in that contaminated clothing. So CDC is saying disposable gowns that should be taken off in the treatment room before you leave. Um, reusable gowns, again, taken off in the treatment room before you leave the treatment room. So that just creates all kinds of issues about, you know, if we're, if we have reusable gowns, how many of those do we need to have to get us through a day and where are we going to store them and where are we going to launder them? And, um, where are you going to put them when you take, if you have to take them off in the laundry room, you're going to have to have like a laundry hamper in every room. And that's crazy. So it's looking like disposable gowns may be a better option and they're pretty inexpensive. So that's what we know. So far interim guidelines for PPE. And I know everybody's going to hate it. It's going to be ugly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the good news is that we now have a movement within the American Dental Association with the insurance companies to try to come to an agreement to allow us to have uh, a code and be able to bill and get reimbursed for infection prevention, um, disposables and equipment, because this is gonna drive up the cost of, of each patient's procedure. We don't know for sure that that will happen, but there's at least good conversation going on about it now where in the past the insurance companies just shut us down and said, forget it, we'll never do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So there's kind of where we're at.
0: Okay, so let's circle back. Uh, What does it mean that KN95 is not FDA cleared?
1: Well, because it is manufactured to a Chinese standard, not Mm -hmm. to American standards through the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration that it it doesn't have the fda they call it clearance we think of it as an approval
0: uh-huh. that
1: hasn't happened now uh-huh. that could happen in the future if the chinese manufacturers decide that they want to pay the money and go through all the procedure to get those kn95s um fda cleared then we would have two options
0: uh-huh.
1: okay. but right now they're allowed under what's called the emergency use authorization. If N95 isn't available, here's the next best option.
0: Okay, um, so can, what are the guidelines on the, the use? Uh, can those masks use the whole day or they have to be used for each patient?
1: Well, it depends. Typically these N95 masks are disposable one use only. But again, when there's shortages, what the emergency use authorization from the FDA has said is that if a face shield is worn or if a level three mask is worn over the top of the N95 mask, then the N95 can be reused. But that's only when there's a shortage of N95 masks. That doesn't mean that if for example, the N95 becomes the standard now that we always wear, that if we have them available and they are disposable, that we can't reuse them.
0: Mm-hmm. But we don't We're know yet,
1: right? them, Well, we, we don't know yet, but what we know is that the way these face masks are cleared or approved through the FDA, that they are disposable. Mm-hmm. And so... Right now, the reuse is only in an emergency. Again, we just don't know what the CDC or what OSHA is going to say about could we reuse them safely or not. And it has to do with protecting the team members, because remember that if you take it off and reuse it, then you have to be extremely careful about not contaminating your hands and remember that COVID in particular is spread by droplets. So if you've got those droplets on your hands from the mask and then you didn't wash your hands and you touched your face with your hands, then you could be infected. So mm-hmm. it's it's still, you know, an, an unknown thing right now. We just don't know exactly how we're going to manage all this.
0: Okay. Um- what are your I saw that it was a question about PPE for ortho. How do you think that's going to get affected
1: well we that's going to probably be determined by um, by OSHA, I think in conjunction with the CDC because ortho doesn't have the the high number of aerosol producing procedures, but for any procedure that produces aerosol, which is already in place through the bloodborne pathogen standard that anytime you're producing aerosol, handpiece, air water syringe, ultrasonic scaler, you need to have respiratory protection, face mask, um, eyewear, um, protective clothing, and of course gloves when you touch contaminated items. So mm-hmm. the only thing that that changes now will be the type of respiratory protection, but so a banding or debanding procedure in ortho that's gonna produce some aerosol is most likely gonna require an N95. Um, but because we still don't know who all the COVID carriers are until we can do some, um, some pretty extensive testing, in ortho they may have to wear the um, N95s all the time as well. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm
0: yeah and I think i I just want to clear this up a little bit too um there are things that I think we can discuss and debate and and I think the whole purpose of this is uh to talk about what's what's out there now like what are the requirements what are what's what's yeah. what are the guidelines already in place and um I would say enforced I'm looking at this as like you know I'm looking at the prices right now with vendors and I'm talking about the shortages and we want to make sure that our offices prepare for some of the shortages that are coming up. The N- right. KN95 currently is like a $6 masks. And just to think about that, that's gonna be used for every single patient. My heart is broken, but at the same time, the guidelines are the guidelines. So I think we're all on the same page trying to navigate this thing together, right?
1: We are. It's very scary looking at the price increases that we have to look at. But the reality is that we've known for a very long time that aerosols are hazardous in in dentistry. And so we've got to do, especially with this virus that is so easy to transmit, we've got to do the very best we can to protect ourselves. Now, this may be a short-term thing, it might not be forever. For example, if we're able to do widespread testing and we know that a patient isn't positive for COVID, then maybe we don't need to wear that N95 mask with that particular patient, but we don't have that in place yet. So there may be some, some ways to, to work with, with this, but for now, we have to take the protection. What we've just learned this week, which is sort of mm-hmm. scary, already knew that asymptomatic patients who may have been exposed are infectious. They can shed virus even if they don't have any symptoms yet of a COVID infection. What we learned this week is that there's evidence that shows that the patients who are asymptomatic are probably the most infectious because they have the highest viral loads. So that compounds the problem almost exponentially. And if we don't know who the infectious patients are and they're the most infectious ones, then what we have to do is treat everybody as if they are infectious and take the same precautions with everyone. Then when testing's in place, then we may need, we may be able to relax the PPE for some patients, but not for everyone, because Mm -hmm. some patients test there, you know, we just, there's still a lot of unknowns, but hopefully we're going to get that clarification soon from CDC.
0: Got it. Um, One more thing on this, and then we can hopefully move on and, and I will go through the questions too. So when you say about um, uh, KN95 can be used as an emergency or this earth, uh, use authorization, the KN95 can be reused with a level three on top of it or the face shield. So if you are using mm-hmm. level three on top of KN95, you don't need the face shield.
1: Well, that's kind of a gray area because the CDC did not say specifically they still recommend using face shields, no matter what uh-huh. that they believe in length face shields provide us the best splatter protection the um, putting a level three on top of an n ninety five or a K9, k nine k n ninety five just prevents it from becoming contaminated which it still could even using a chin length face shield. Now, the other thing that we haven't addressed yet that is also a recommendation from CDC is that we do some additional things to control the aerosol. So most dentists when they're doing restorative procedures are using and the assistants are using high volume evacuation, but Hygienists typically don't. Hygienists, if they're using an ultrasonic scaler, in many cases are using some kind of an evacuation device that is connected to the saliva ejector or the low volume suction. So then we have to look at what can the hygienists use to help control that aerosol. Um, Zyrus that makes the isolite system has an isovac that is, kind of a bite block Mm -hmm. and a high-volume evacuator that could be used. Zerk, of course, has their um, Mr. Thirsty device Uh that, again, same thing as kind of a mouth prop, a bite block, and high-volume evacuation. So Mm -hmm. those are a couple of options. The suggestion has been put out there by the CDC that we ought to look for some procedures whenever we could um, using rubber dam, dental dams. Um, you have a number of, you know, Zerk has their instidams that are already have a frame and they're already pre-punched. And so for whatever procedures they could be used on, they should be. And we're also looking at um, extra oral evacuation systems. And I think that was one of your questions. Um, about products, there are a number of systems out there. The one I'm most familiar with comes from ADS Dental, and it is a separate evacuation system. It's It can be portable. You can roll it from one treatment room to the other, and it has a, a hose with kind of a focusing cup on the end of it that draws up the aerosol from the mouth, anything that might escape from the high volume evacuation from the HVE. And there are, I know there are many practices that are ordering them now because they really believe in aerosol safety and they think that it's going to be a better, healthier option, um, but they're pricey. They're around 2,500 to $3,000.
0: exactly my point.
1: Yeah, That yeah. thing is almost three and, grand. No. It is, but the reality is that that could become an OSHA requirement. OSHA has now classified us as a very high-risk industry because of the aerosols. So it's not just for what we're doing now within dealing with the COVID pandemic. You know, we're, we're hearing from the, the CDC director that this it may be even worse come next winter if we have a resurgence of COVID at the same time we have an influenza epidemic. So we've got to do a better job of controlling aerosols. Mm-hmm. We know the research mm-hmm. says it stays um, in, suspended in the air for up to three hours after treatment so if we're not controlling it evacuating it back out of the air then do we have to wait for three hours to bring another patient back in so Mm -hmm. then you're going to have to weigh the investment in those kind of of um, suction devices versus maybe i can only see half or a third of the number of patients i normally do during the day Mm -hmm. everything about how we deliver dentistry I believe is going to be changed forever.
0: You said that on a day one, like on the 20th that we talked about, I still remember that conversation. We talked about going red to green, red to yellow, how it's all going to come back. I was on my thought that we're going to go from red to green in no time. Now I changed my mind. I think it's going to be red to yellow. We don't know for how long though. And the first time I saw that piece of equipment for $2,500. And again, some of the Zen preferred vendors will have it uh, at the discount. To me, it's like, here's, here's my challenge to that, Mary, is buying that piece of equipment without knowing all the guidelines yet. So if they are, and if we have all the research on hand, then I would invest it if I'm an owner of the practice. That's where I think I was a little bit not sure because we don't know what's going to come out next week in seven days. And what if they say there's going to be something more than that? And now I just bought a $2,500 piece of equipment. Now I'm stuck with it.
1: Well, you know, and I understand that, I, I and we don't know if there's going to be something more than that, but mm-hmm. in doing research on aerosols over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I've come to the conclusion, and this is my personal opinion, that that's probably what going to be really the best system to use because if you have to rely on your HVAC system, um, you're not probably going to get a frequent enough air ch- air exchange to clear those aerosols. And this really prevents the aerosols from getting dispersed throughout the treatment room at all. It completely um, removes those those aerosols and doesn't let them escape into the room air. So there are studies that show that the HVE can um, remove up to 80%. And so this working even better than that Um, I, I think that's the best way to mitigate that risk. Now, there are some people that are saying use UV light air purification, but there's a, oh, what is the name of the group? It's the American air purification association or something like that, the the, the agency that um, certifies HEPA filters and, and air filtration systems, they say that there isn't any evidence that those systems, even the UV light systems, can handle what we produce in dentistry. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the reality is that we have been working in this unsafe environment um, in terms of exposure to aerosol for a very long time, and we've sort of ignored it, and now we can't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The risk is great.
0: Okay. what's yeah. uh, So for ours and people, we're going to have an um, update on these products pretty soon. So what Mary mentioned, Zyrus, Mr. Thirsty, uh, then Ivory Leaf, These are the companies that we're we're looking into adding them to the resource page. And then the one from Spain that I sent to you, they're waiting for the FDA approval. It's a pretty cool device. Probably gonna be very like another option that we can offer that basically connects to your vacuum. I think it's like a chic retractor, right? With the vacuum thing.
1: Oh, that one if you've got some information you can share i requested some but i haven't received any yeah it's got a it's a cheek retractor and then the suction device is like right by the lower lip Mm -hmm. on the outside and Mm -hmm. that also looks like it could be a good option um for helping to control um the the spread aerosol but in looking at and i love the leaf um system but it only connects to the low volume suction, to the saliva ejector. So what we really have to look at to control the aerosols as much as we can is, are things that can connect to the high volume evacuation.
0: High and you know, I know
1: our parents are thinking they're gonna have to go back to hand scaling, Yeah. but we have, we have enough devices available.
0: So the ivory leaf is only low vac?
1: It is only low back, as far as I know, unless they've changed it. And, and maybe they will, maybe they'll adapt it. But it's only mm-hmm. been for low volume.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll check on that. So we'll link yes. it up in our resource page in Zen uh, for everybody to go on the top of the Zen page. Just click on it. So, um, and obviously, as soon as that Spain company is FDA approved, we'll, we'll uh, put them on the platform as well. So then we yeah. talked about the big piece of equipment i had a call with uh dr um, larkin last week so i don't know if you've you've known dr tom larkin so him and yeah. i talked and pretty extensively um i think he's on a call yep dr larkin um so basically that's what he said he's like the things that i'm concerned about right now are the um aerosol uh and the water treatment and, and uh, Dr. like, just add in the comments if I messed up, but I'm sure I did. So basically he started looking into the quality of the air and then how do we make sure that we control the aerosol, the water lines. And so we started talking pretty much extensively on the water line treatments and how that's gotta change a little bit as well. So some offices have the water line, some offices have the bottled. What's your take on this? Like, would you have offices switch to the bottled water pretty quickly or that's not the concern yet?
1: Well, that requirement has been in place for a very long time now, since uh, 2003 to be able to meet water quality standards. So we don't have evidence that COVID can be spread through the water. So I I don't know that that is something that needs to change um, Mm -hmm. because of this. Viruses are typically not spread through um, biofilm. It's because they can't replicate outside of a host body. It's typically bacteria in the water lines. But we have a standard from the CDC that says we have to be, our water quality for our dental units has to be below 500 colony-forming units of bacteria per milliliter of water, which is the same as the safety standard for public drinking water. Mm -hmm. But unless you treat your water or filter your water, then you can't achieve that because most of the water in the dental units is stagnant. We don't put high volumes of water through like you do when you flush a toilet or you turn on a faucet. And so biofilm can grow very easily in that closed system. I typically recommend having a water bottle, a separate water reservoir, because if you're ever in a situation where there's a boil water alert in your city, then you can still see patients. You can put Mm -hmm. bottled water into your, your dental units and you don't have to worry about the contaminated municipal water. Uh and then you can purge your system and you can um, disinfect your system. Uh But dental offices, as they've been closed, they're going to have to do a couple of things when they open or before they open back up. They're going to need to shock their systems because the water's been very stagnant for the last month, so they'll have high CFU counts. They're going to have to shock their system, and then they're going to have to test after they're done shocking to make sure that they're below that um five hundred cFUs mm-hmm. okay,
0: um, let me jump into some of the questions to see what what do we have here okay, sure. oh boy, got some. Um, we talked about thoughts on PPE for ortho what about p ninety four full respirators?
1: Well, those are very high level um, uh, respiratory protection. It's more than what we are required to wear. Um, I can't imagine wearing one of those all day, but there's other systems too, the paper systems that are um, powered systems, you see the hospital workers wearing them. they have a a hood over their head um, and they've got a power pack on the back and so they're not rebreathing the air they're they're only getting uh, purified circula- um air circulation um through their systems so it, you could wear one if you wanted to, but it's it's going to be probably a lot more difficult to breathe in than uh, an N95. And and something I forgot to mention about the N95 masks, um, mm-hmm. OSHA has suspended this um, requirement for now during the um, pandemic, but um, N95 masks have to be fit tested.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: when you start to wear them, so every dental practice, when they start wearing which we think is going to be that N95 requirement is going to have to have them all fit tested to make sure that they have the right size and they have a good seal. And then every time you put your mask on, you also have to do a seal check and a seal check is done by putting your mask on and then holding your um, Hands over your face mask to feel if there's any leakage around it to make sure you have it on correctly, but fit testing requires um, putting a hood on over your head with the face mask on and then a solution that's either sweet smelling or bitter smelling um, is put inside the hood and if your mask is sealed appropriately you won't detect anything but if you do detect it then you don't have the right mask or it's not sealed properly so that's another procedure that's going to have to be added into dental practices.
0: Interesting I wonder how that's going to be implemented it's like so far every time we talk about the KN95 or N95 masks uh, for purchase I haven't seen the different sizes Um, or how do you see it's being sized?
1: well they they usually come small, medium, large, extra large, and I think that just because they've been in such short supply, I mm-hmm. think when you order them, you just get what you get. Um, but in normal times, you would order a selection of sizes. Um, Usually companies, in times when they're available, usually companies will send you um, several of each size so that when you go through fit testing, then you can try on the various sizes that, that are appropriate.
0: Yeah. Mary, just like, it's so crazy back in January when you and I were sitting at that restaurant with, with different team members, we couldn't probably even fathom the fact that we need to like talk about that masks may not be available. So now like every time we talk about this, we're like, yeah, it, the shortages, the shortages and products are not available. It's so crazy. Absolutely. Just thinking yeah. about it. I know. Oh, I know. Let me see questions. This is a lot to process. If there is a bacteria in the lines and gets transferred into your patient who is at high risk, there's a potential for them to get sick and ultimately get uh, pneumonia in which they may be unable to fight off. This is the reason for having a better quality or distilled water.
1: Well, that's the the whole reason for the, the water quality standard is to protect patients from infections. But again, bacterial infections, not viral infections. So, and, and there was a patient in Italy a number of years ago, an older woman and elderly people, same kind of people that we initially thought would be at high risk for COVID. Elderly people, people with underlying medical conditions, anyone who's immune suppressed, or immune compromised is at risk. And so if they have bacteria introduced into their system during dental treatment or they're exposed to the aerosol from those bacteria in the dental unit water, they certainly could have issues. But the woman in Italy um, contracted Legionnaires disease and it was traced back to the dental unit water lines. The only two times she had been out of her house in the two week period before she was sick and then hospitalized with pneumonia, or so they thought it was pneumonia, was when she went to the dental office. And so when they finally diagnosed her as having Legionnaires, they went and tested the water in the dental office and they determined that that was the source. So there's all kinds of infections that could be transmitted from that dental unit water, but that standard has already been in place. So mm-hmm. we don't. see that we have to do anything more than what we have already should have been doing to comply because of COVID.
0: Uh Do you think like now pretty much every single dentist will need to be an expert in infection control?
1: (laughs) Well, I I think so. You know, and I've been saying for a long time that every dental practice should have someone who is appointed as the infection control coordinator. It's just like in the hospitals. There is an infectious disease um, or infection control specialist within the hospital. It's, It's typically part of the nursing staff. We need that in a dental office. It's tougher because we don't have somebody who can just take care of that because it's usually you know one of the chairside assistants or it might be one of the hygienists or maybe it's the office manager and everybody's having things piled on to what they already do and it's a little more difficult but there should be OSHA requires somebody to be in charge of safety so yeah that could be part of the the responsibility for the OSHA coordinator in a practice
0: yeah i think you call them yeah. uh, OSHA manager Yes. What are they called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Manager yeah I mean, just, just like we, we ask our lead assistants or assistants, and we promote them as lead assistants to be the ordering people and be responsible yes. for ordering. I mean, it should be the same for infection control. Um, another yes. question, does the N95 fit test need, need to be quantitative or is a qualitative test sufficient?
1: As far as we know, for dentistry, the qualitative test is sufficient.
0: Okay. Awesome.
1: So we don't have to do more testing than, than, and that's a simpler, easier to administer one. As far as we know, it's qualitative.
0: Okay. I think, Mary, what would be a really cool just a thought, like, all these waterline questions and waterline treatments and different products, I think as we start launching them on Zen and putting them on the resource page at the at the COVID-19 page, it would be great mm-hmm. for you and I to collaborate just like we've talked about and start putting things that every single office will need to do. And as we start seeing the more guidelines coming out, what do these things will need to be? And uh, we'll just include them in the resource page.
1: Yeah, there's a really, really good resource for mm-hmm. um, anybody that's on the, on the call. To access with a lot of great information about waterline safety, and it's Pro Edge Dental.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have webinars that have been recorded, they have instructions for shocking your system um, and testing your water. They're just a great company, and that would be a good um, source for you to partner with. Um, Tiger, because they have a lot of really good information and they make it um, accessible and understandable for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's proedge.dental. Proedge Dental. Mm-hmm.
1: Proedge Dental.
0: Okay. All right. We'll, we'll yep. find them. We'll link them up. Okay. So as we're yeah. waiting for more questions, is there anything that you've seen uh, or anything that you? like just as your spare time, you're grabbing coffee, you're thinking between, you know, like the calls and, and I'm sure you're staying mega busy right now. Like where where are we headed?
1: Well, I think we're headed quite possibly for um, more scrutiny from OSHA. I think that as OSHA looks at what the CDC is gonna be recommending to us and they understand the risk of aerosols that they may start doing inspections and practices again to make sure that we're complying Um, because we've been identified as a high risk industry um, just because of the aerosol and where they've really backed off over the last 20 years in doing those unannounced inspections because we weren't classified as a high hazard industry in terms of chemical safety or exposure to bloodborne pathogens. Um, But now that's changed. So I think we're gonna see that happen. I really think that's where we're heading. So practices that have not maybe kept up on their OSHA documentation or OSHA protocols and things probably need to start thinking about updating documentation, um, making sure that they do their annual trainings, and that they could feel comfortable that they could pass an OSHA inspection. Because what OSHA will do, my guess is, is a complete Um, audit of the office. And they're doing that already. They have been doing that in Tennessee for a couple of years now. They have what they call a local emphasis program and they will just show up at an office and go through and inspect and they look at everything, not just one or two things. They Mm -hmm. look at everything. Mm -hmm. So So, unfortunately, I think that's where we're going.
0: Okay, but I think um, the good news is uh, the checklist that you uh, sent us uh, last time when we did the live mm-hmm. event, that covers most yep. of what OSHA at the moment, without having new guidelines, yep. at the moment, what OSHA is going to look like is going to be on that checklist.
1: Exactly. Perfect. Exactly.
0: Perfect. So, for all of you listening and watching, we're going to link up the checklist in the notes. So, Irina, uh, it's going to be in a compliance folder, but we'll find it. Cool. Okay. Um, the part that I wanted to cover with your help is as offices are planning for the reopening. So some parts of the country, I talked to a few people are opening next week. Some offices are going to be opening the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, as offices are planning to reopen, Mary, where I will need your help is what, are, what do we need to do? We talked about the waterline treatments. I want to talk about the products, what I see in the market. I think we need to start planning I wouldn't wait if you know that you're waiting uh, opening in two weeks. I wouldn't wait to go into the office and see how many masks you have, how many gloves you have, how many cabbie wipes. These are the things we need to start counting now and start placing orders now. To give you an example, yep. To give you an example, if you are and and especially for our Zen offices that are listening, for if you've been buying from Dental City, they currently they still have masks, level three masks at nineteen ninety nine. Uh, they have a limit of three boxes per two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, three boxes every two weeks, but they are $19.99. In reference, right now, the level three masks you can buy on the market is like $47. So start planning for this thing. Start buying these things. They do have the masks. We check with them. So if you have been the customer of Dental City, um, or at least Zen, I mean, we will find a way to get them to you but that's only three boxes every two weeks. So I will start uh, planning for that. The next part uh, we talked about is, and Mary, I need your help with this. The Cavie Wipe, traditional Cavie Wipe does not have an label that it kills COVID.
1: No, but I don't think that that's a concern and here's why. Okay. First of all, because this is a new virus, the um, manufacturers of disinfectants have to go to the FDA And they have to get another clearance from the FDA. And the one they have to get now is for emerging pathogens, which is what the coronavirus is. So that Mm -hmm. takes time. And so many of the wipes that have been purchased and and the labels are already done and, and the approval isn't there yet, won't say that it kills COVID or kills coronavirus. But what we know is that the coronavirus is very easy to kill. What the CDC guidelines say is that when we use these products in dental practices, we need to use what's called an intermediate level tuberculocidal disinfectant. And the reason is that TB bacteria are spore-forming bacteria, and they're extremely difficult to kill. They're one of several of the most difficult microorganisms to kill. So if you're using cattle wipes, they have a TB kill claim on the label, then you can be sure you're killing COVID. It is not as difficult to kill as tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. So that's already been tested for efficacy. So false
0: alert. I hope That doesn't make it into a micro content that I said that don't use wipes. Okay, so then start stacking up on wipes because they are going to be in a short supply. Uh, And then, uh, so we talked about the rubber dams. So this is going to be interesting, right? Uh, Another one, another note I had this, I I didn't confirm that, that that's the case. So again, we're still working, trying to find the information. But I heard that because of the masks and issue with the masks, now we're going to have a shortage of two-by-twos in the gauze because they're made out of the same materials. What's your thought on that?
1: I have not heard that. But I would say anything is possible right now. The, and, and unfortunately, many of those types of, of products... Are not manufactured in the U.S. A lot of them come from China. And what we're hearing now is that because of the new trade agreement, there's so many restrictions with exports and things that the products are there, but they're having trouble. The Chinese government is, is having trouble getting them exported out of the country. So it, it's yeah. just an ugly, vicious cycle right now.
0: Yeah, so speaking of which, I was in a webinar last week about the export and import and all that. So China has a new rule in place um, that's called CIQ process. So it's a custom inspections due to the quarantine, Mm -hmm. all PPE must go through the CIQ before they leave China. So that adds another seven to 10 days sometimes to inspect every single product. So for those of you that are watching, we, we updated the site today that there's a new button for the uh, bulk, joint bulk, group order, something like that. So we have a group order going uh, for all the Zen offices to place one big order, and then it's just going to be shipped to every office. But we need to meet a minimum requirement for certain products like KN95, three-ply masks, uh, isolation gowns, face shield masks. So all these things, we have a price if we meet that minimum requirement of buying bulk. So after, I think Mary said how important the gowns are going to be, I would highly suggest that all of you just go back and update your numbers and isolation gowns because the last time I checked, everybody wants the N95 mask, but the gowns were just one or two or three. I still think that we need to have them in the office, so just in case, add one or two of those cartons in the order, and then we'll process that separately. So the whole supply chain is getting really interesting. So we're staying on top of um, what our vendors are, are are having, and just to give an example, like the prices that we've seen, Mary. Uh, KN95s, we see them from $59 a box of 10 to $69 a box of 10, $99 a box of 20, but you can't get them. The vendors, some vendors are afraid to sell them, and there are $127 for a box of 20. And so now we have this uh bulk order that we're trying to get is uh, it's pretty much a three dollar fifty cents per mask, uh, the KN95 Mm -hmm. mask. So that would be almost twice the price of what typically is sold on Zen. But again, it's a bulk order that we need to all meet. So that's right. my quick and update on the product.
1: That, yeah, I think that a lot of practices are going to have to do that to be grouped together and do bulk ordering in order to afford this. Now, hopefully, once these face masks are in good supply again, then the prices will go back down, we hope. Um, but there's a, like of, there's a lot of, there's a lot. Or gouging going on in fact there was a dental practice in california that was sending out messages um the other day and i happened to get one from some mailing list and they oh. were selling isolation gowns for 14 a piece
0: oh my and god and
1: i forget what the price was on the face masks and i wrote them a message back and said wow um these seem to be pretty high prices it sort of looks like price gouging to me and the answer back was oh those were typos like really mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so I think you just got called out on it
0: mm-hmm. yeah so, it's yeah. that's what we're trying to do the good thing for us Mary like that's this the whole it's not a pluck for our company everybody knows it um, we've been very 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 not biased to any vendor, so we don't make money on any transaction even the bulk mm-hmm. order that we're putting together right now, everything that we're going to do from processing to payments and invoices and monitoring and taking responsibility, we don't make a dollar. So the only thing we do is, is our subscriptions that pay, people pay us. So that hopefully puts us in a position where we're just trying to find the best price and that people can take right. advantage of it and we're just going to facilitate it. But even before putting that bulk order together, I was skeptical because, and I did some homework. I, I can't say that it was a super extensive. I haven't gone through every single website. But I can tell you the, the gowns, the masks and all that, the prices are ridiculous and, and they're yeah. going up. And so I don't know if we're going to drive the demand up that the prices are going to go up or it's slowly going to come down. So that I don't know yet.
1: Well, fingers crossed, the prices will slowly come down. But you know, as you're as you're talking about all the work that you're doing to research the products and the and the sources, that that makes you so much more valuable to your subscribers because you're doing the legwork for them, trying to locate the products and and helping to them to deal with these pricing issues so they don't have to spend all their time themselves doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you're yeah. you're in a great position to be such a help to these practices.
0: I hope so. Um, all right, so let's see. Um, there were more questions and there are some really good ones too. Um, I didn't mean to say some others weren't as good. They're all great questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just checking, could you walk us through? There's a big th- Okay, we talked about does, oh, we have a lot of questions. Does the N95, we talked about, could we walk through the PPS? Oh, Could you walk through the PPE aspect of a hygiene check, Dr. Wilson?
1: Oh, do I have to? Because this is going to get really, really, really complicated. I think that um, what we're going to have to do is schedule hygiene evaluations differently. and I've always recommended this from an efficiency standpoint that don't wait till the end of the hygiene appointment. You do it when it's convenient for the doctor, when the doctor has a break. So if you're going in to do a hygiene evaluation and you typically don't pick up the air, water syringe, you're not going to create aerosol, then most likely you might not need to put on the disposable gown but a face mask and gloves to do that. And then when you do your operative treatment where you are producing the aerosol, then you would put the gown and the mask. But if the requirement is to have it on no matter what, then you're gonna have to have a gown that is worn for doing hygiene evaluations and a gown that's worn for the um, procedures that the doctor does. And what we still don't know yet is if the recommendation is gonna be that you change, literally change it after every single patient you see. But that may be for the foreseeable future when we still have a lot of COVID cases kind of out there um, in, in our patient family. But ideally the PPE should be changed After every patient visit. And I know that's just ugly because that just, you think about, you know, a practice that has two or three hygienists and the doctor going and evaluating all those hygiene patients and, um, Then, you know, taking, leaving the treatment room where where the doctor is doing treatment and going to check those patients. So we take our garment off before we leave. Then we put a new garment on when we go in the hygiene room and then we take that off. And then we go back in and put another one on to go to another hygiene room. It's going to be chaos. And Mm -hmm. we don't really have all the answers for that yet. Yeah. I think that one thing that may work is if you have your N95 mask on and you put a level three over it to protect it from contamination during that hygiene evaluation, then all you should have to do is take off the um, level three and discard it when you leave the room, put on another one to go to another hygiene patient but not have to change the N95 after every patient. There's no way any practice in the world can afford that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mary, I think it would be really cool after all the guidelines come out, you and I get together and we just try to hack some of this stuff. Like, can we wear something for a day, something for two? Can we put it in like a microwave and try to kill it? So I think that would be cool. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, there, and there may be some technology. There already is technology that's available to hospitals for decontaminating N95 masks, but it's not available for use in dental practices yet. So mm-hmm. we may have something in the future that will help us to reuse those, but it's just not available yet. So in the near future, we're going to be, you know, going through a lot of N95s when we can get them until we have more technology available to us. But- as you can well imagine, the technology to decontaminate is going to be cheap. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have like right now
0: four or five more questions. <laughs> um, I we're over an hour. I want to be respectful to your time and everybody who's watching. Can you go for another ten minutes so that we can get through the questions? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, awesome. We'll, we'll
1: just get done.
0: Okay. And anybody that needs to go, um, I wouldn't take it personally. So just make sure to write your question. We'll get one by one. We'll answer every single one of them. But if you want to stay and hang out, that's even better. So uh, Dr. Wilson, I hope that helps. I'm going to the next one. Dr. Hermanson. So if you were an orthodontist who sees 60 patients a day, would you be trying to get your hands on 120 N95 masks and how to, oh my God, I feel you, gowns per day. That's 500 of each per week. At five dollars each, we're easily talking five thousand dollars per week of PPE. That's not even considering increased cost of disposing all of this stuff. I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around this. Yeah, that's well, a really good point.
1: And how is everyone else, but I think the new reality is going to be that we won't, at least for the foreseeable future, be seeing that many patients a day. First of all, especially in an ortho practice or in a pedo practice where you have open bay situations, you're going to need to make sure that you've got enough distance in between patients. And so you may not be able to have a patient in every single chair all the time. You may only be able to use every other chair. Or we may not be scheduling patients back to back to back. We have to get the issue of the aerosols controlled first and get, you know, how long it's going to take us to clear those aerosols before we can bring another patient back. It, at least I would say for the next six months, perhaps a year, we will not be scheduling like we did before. Mm-hmm. Things are going to be very different. Yeah. So and I understand that that's that's an ugly proposition. So we're gonna cut production at a time when we're increasing our costs on top of having been out of the office for a month with no income coming in. Yeah. It's not pretty. I feel the pain. No, it's,
0: oh, it's not. I the next point really breaks my heart is can you imagine the impact of all of this on our landfills?
1: Well, Yes, um, it, it's it's certainly going to hurt. So the other option then would have be reusable gowns, um, which is certainly a, a greener. And today I think is Earth Day. So we we need to think about those kinds of things um, that at least you could reuse the gowns, but you've got to be able to launder them on site or have a laundry service available, because and this is already in place from the OSHA bloodborne pathogen standard. Employees are not allowed. Um, to take their contaminated clothing home, not to wear it out of the office and not to take it home to launder it. Mm-hmm. That's already an in- order.
0: Yeah. I think just to know for my team, I think after we've done, I mean, it, there's no way we can even possibly get even close to being done. But at some point, it's once we get down to the manageable level of the PPE and having the resources on our um, COVID-19 page, I think we need to start looking into what are the options of disposing these items in landfill and all that? Because I'm, I'm really worried it's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what about, Mackenzie asked, what about eye protection? Are safety glasses with side shields sufficient? Or do you recommend face shields?
1: The CDC is recommending face shields rather than just goggles and or safety glasses with side shields. They are saying because even the safety glasses with side shields can still let aerosols get in close to the eyes. So I think we're we're going to abandon the old safety glass issue, um, and we're going straight to to face shields. That's what OSHA's or um, CDC is requiring already. What are we going to do with the loops? There are face shields that can accommodate loops. You're just gonna have to do some product research to find out which ones either through, excuse me one second, mm-hmm. <coughs> either with thicker foam um, inserts at the, uh, by the headband, by the forehead to space it out further away from the face to accommodate the loops, or they're on a different kind of a, um, like a, almost a headband, in order to allow for the, the loops. And if you wear a light, then you're going to have to really do some product research to find out what will accommodate the, the lights as well. I have contacted a bunch of manufacturers to send me samples of face shields, um, and I have loops and lights, loops and a, and a light system that I want to try them on, but nobody has any in stock right now um, to be able to evaluate them. So, this so is the have- biggest thing that. Mm-hmm. Just, because just because your state says it's okay for you to open your practice, if you don't have the appropriate PPE, you can't see patients. You can't do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get on this. Um, I'm
1: just so full today.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to see how we can help our offices because if th- we're putting this face shields masks on this, even the bulk order, but I don't know if that's, they're going to work with loops.
1: Now, it depends on the manufacturer. Now, um, face shields are not disposable, they are reusable. So mm-hmm. you can clean them and you can disinfect them in between mm-hmm. patients. You don't have to throw that out every time. They yeah. are reusable.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, so we'll honestly, about, uh-huh. The
1: shields that come on a headband like the Optiop um brand of shield comes out pretty far that one should accommodate loops and probably a light as well
0: mm-hmm. interesting uh when are the uh so, so we talked ian asked when are the new guidelines supposed to be released by cdc i think you've mentioned within the next seven to ten days possibly or sooner Hmm. Yeah.
1: that's my my insider information is saying it's going to come pretty soon
0: Okay. Mackenzie asked, do you recommend rubber dam? Can I recommend a rubber dam? Uh, do you recommend a rubber dam? I think we talked about it earlier, um, but yeah. I,
1: because it's a great way to prevent I mean, it completely blocks the saliva from being aerosolized um, when you use it. And there's so many good systems. I mean, I come from the day of the, you know, the traditional, um, you know, Whatever it is five by five rubber dam and and um a metal frame, and now there are you know better lighter weight plastic frames, but I really love the instidams from Zerk they're small they're pre punched they're quick to use um, it's It's really some of the best way to control aerosol, yeah, and what we might find out is that the c d c and OSHA consider that to be an acceptable alternative to controlling aerosols, although the limitation is that you can't use it for every procedure, and the hygienists can't use it. They can't scale teeth with a rubber dam on. So it it'll help. It's a great system, but it can't. It's not a universal type of a of a system to control the aerosol.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, was is there anything else you would like to add? Is there anything I should have asked, and I haven't?
1: Well, the only thing we really haven't touched on is, is and it doesn't have anything to do with having to buy new um, devices. So -hmm. that's one good piece of news. But the reality is that you need to um, screen your patients prior to coming to the office. The American Dental Association on their website has a great... Um, handout that you can download. And there are a number of questions that you should be asking your patients to try to identify who's at risk for perhaps being infectious for COVID. And based on their responses, you may not be able to schedule them. And I think those, those requirements are gonna stay in effect forever, that we have always taken the risk of seeing patients when they had respiratory symptoms and we should not. Um, You know, we say, oh, we're wearing our face mask. It'll protect us, but it doesn't necessarily. So we need to be screening patients. Um, You should ask your patients to either use a hand sanitizer or wash their hands or anybody who comes in the office. If your um, uh, service technician comes in to work on equipment, everybody that comes in should wash their hands or use a hand sanitizer when they come into the office.
0: What was the website you said for, for those guidelines?
1: ADA. Oh, a ADA.org O-R-G. Mm-hmm. and just click on the link for the COVID resources. Now I've heard today that the ADA is going to have another webinar. They had one about three weeks ago that talked about what was going on with CDC and all of that. And Supposedly, they're going to have another one this Friday. I have no idea what time, they haven't put any information out about it yet, but check on the ADA website um, today, tomorrow, and early Friday, because there probably will be a link there. And if for some reason you can't get on because it's um, completely um, filled, um, because sometimes there's limitations, it will be recorded and you can watch it later. Mm-hmm. So, don't panic.
0: Okay. You can't get on. Okay. Awesome. So, we talked about how we're going to protect our patients, our staff, ourselves, um, constraints on purchasing. Um, just wondering. Thank you, Dr. Bander. I appreciate it. Just wondering um, when else do we need to get together to talk about this, because I feel like if the new CDC guidelines come out, that we will need to break it down a little bit. Uh, Our team members to see, like, what do we need to do? Like, how are we going to package that information? Thank you, Dr. Wilson. Right. So, just what do you think? Like, what would be a good next step for all of us?
1: Well, I think a good next step is if you want to schedule another one of the live webinars, as soon as we know that those guidelines have come out, I would be happy to, you know, come on with you again and, and we'll look at those. And then I think every practice needs to have a team meeting and they need to discuss what the changes are, how they're going to um, comply with the changes and um, really have a plan for um, opening the practice back up because you're gonna have to inform your patients ahead of time that there's new procedures. Um, We're gonna be asking you a lot of questions before you come in for your appointment and we may not be able to see you depending on your answers to those questions. Um, We just need to be prepared for that when patients come in, because patients may be fearful and distrustful to come back in. You know, the the thing that's been scary to me is is hearing news reports about how many patients in the last few weeks have died from heart attacks at home where they might normally have called 911 and gone to the hospital, but they didn't wanna go to the hospital because they were afraid that they could get infected with COVID. So, we may see the same thing that patients may be fearful to come back to the dental practice if they think maybe there's a safety risk for them. So we need to be reassuring those patients that we're doing everything we can to make sure that it's a safe environment for them.
0: Yeah, I will, uh, so we're gonna link up all of this in the notes so for everybody you will see the checklist from Mary, uh, the compliance checklist will include it. Uh, we're gonna try to include ADA links and all stuff that we wrote down. Um, and so Mary, I hope that uh, after the CDC puts the guidelines, uh, we're gonna bring you back and, and talk more about yeah. specifically what's gonna happen. Happy. So I really appreciate it, appreciate the offer. Sure, happy to do yeah. it. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so I hope you guys liked it. Uh, the link to screening question on ADA, so it would be helpful. Yep, Dr. Hermanson, we'll include that for sure. Um, Irene is working on it in the checklist, so all of it would be in the notes. Uh, yeah. Thank you all for participating.
1: Really, that was a great that discussion. Document, yes. That document is very easy to find on the ADA, list, on the ADA website. Okay. that's but, great. No, we, like
0: we like to help our offices. We try to put everything together. Because- and.
1: Absolutely, you put it all together. In fact, if my computer comes back up, I'll see if I can send you the link to the document, but I don't know if that's going to happen today or not.
0: (laughs) That's okay. Mary, thank you so much. Always, always great to have you. So much information. And and I love your passion to helping people. So I'm looking forward to having you back.
1: Okay. Look forward to being back.
0: Thank you. Stay well. Thanks so much.
1: Take care. Thank
0: you, Mary. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you all. Thanks for participating.